Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's Saturday the 16th of December. I'm Kira Revens and this was a week that saw Rishi's Rwanda plan go through, missing WhatsApps at the COVID inquiry, COP28 wrap-up and tributes to a Brooklyn 999 star. Grab a cup of something hot, put up your feet, and get up to speed on the seven biggest stories of the week. This is the standout seven from the small seven. It's news, but not the news. It was a crunch week for Prime Minister Rishi Sunak as he looked to steer the safety of Rwanda bill through its first vote in the House of Commons. It was drafted in response to last month's Supreme Court ruling which found the policy of sending asylum seekers to Rwanda unlawful. The new bill seeks to reverse the findings by legally declaring Rwanda a safe country for asylum seekers but it doesn't override international law and former Immigration Minister Robert Jenrick quit last week claiming it doesn't go far enough. He says mass immigration is damaging integration. It's an obvious observation that a million people coming into our country every year is immensely challenging to successfully integrate. For example, with the marches, where I saw some people who simply did not share British values. On Monday, Defence Secretary Grant Shapps was still pitching the bill as a solution to the small boat crisis, though he says that even if it's not the perfect solution, it will still cut down on the number of appeals from those due to be sent to Rwanda. If we pass this bill... We believe there will be a dramatic reduction in the number of appeals. Even if it were a smaller number, it would still have a very, very significant impact. There was tragic news on Tuesday as one of the asylum seekers on the BB Stockholm barge was reported to have died, appearing to have taken his own life. It threw a shadow over the government's latest attempt to shut down illegal migration and start the process of moving the safety of Rwanda bill through Parliament. After several days of frantic lobbying by Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, it looked as though he was facing a potentially embarrassing defeat as the right wing of the Tory party appeared set to rebel against the bill, which they don't believe goes far enough. Chair of the ERG, Mark Francois, was busy making dire pronouncements shortly before the vote began. I have just chaired a meeting of what you in the media are now referring to as the five families. We have decided that we cannot support the bill tonight because of its many omissions. In the end, the vote passed with a majority of 44, which will be seen as a win for the Prime Minister, although at least 25 Tory MPs, including Robert Jenrick and Suella Braverman, deliberately abstained and can be expected to continue to disrupt the bill's progress. Policing Minister Chris Phillips was pleased that the government's bill can now proceed. Not a single Conservative MP voted against this piece of legislation. Of course the government's going to listen in an open and constructive way. If anyone has sensible ideas to make sure there are absolutely no loopholes, that is the objective, to make sure this bill is solid, that it can't be unpicked by the courts. The drama over the Rwanda vote consumed most of the news headlines on Tuesday, but Labour leader Keir Starmer was in Milton Keynes making a speech to mark the fourth anniversary of Labour's dramatic general election loss under Jeremy Corbyn's leadership. He used the speech to describe how he's rebuilt the party to focus on working people and promised that if you want lower immigration, you should vote. Labour. He also took time to criticise Rishi's Rwanda scheme ahead of the vote. It won't work. 
It will cost a fortune, £290 million already, without a single person having gone, and it's against our values. Meanwhile, in the House of Commons, as the debate on the safety of Rwanda bill unfolded, Labour Shadow Home Secretary Yvette Cooper didn't miss the chance to pin the chaotic atmosphere squarely on the Tories. But this should be a debate about how we prevent lives being lost and how we fix the broken asylum system. Instead, we've just got total Tory chaos. What a fine mess this weak Prime Minister has got them all into and got the country into. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak faced the COVID inquiry on Monday as they continued with the Downing Street module. He was grilled for five hours on various aspects of the pandemic and gave a cautious performance, saying several times that he wasn't able to recall meetings or other details. He also failed to provide his WhatsApp messages to the inquiry, much like his former boss, Boris. Rishi wasn't blaming faulty backups, though. In fact, he said he was never advised to save his messages from the pandemic and hadn't switched the WhatsApp automatic backup function back on. I've changed my phone multiple times times over the past few years and as that has happened the messages have not come across i'm not a prolific user of whatsapp in the first instance and obviously anything that was of significance will have been recorded as one would expect things didn't go much better when it came to his pet pandemic project the eat out to help out scheme which saw the chancellor serving food to customers in a pr stunt that occurred mid-pandemic he says that he was never advised that the scheme could have risk of increased transmission and that he was considering it as a purely fiscal measure and in fact he blamed the scientists for failing to stop him i didn't believe that it was a risk I believed it was the right thing to do. But if others are suggesting that they didn't, they had ample opportunity to raise those concerns in forums where I was or where the Prime Minister or others were, and they didn't. This week saw no sign of any easing in fighting in Gaza as Israel continued its assault on Hamas in a bid to wipe out the organisation. Despite attempts to impose a ceasefire through the UN Security Council, negotiations in Qatar said it may be a number of weeks before anything can be agreed. Meanwhile, the plight of civilians caught in the middle of the conflict continues to worsen as Israel pushes aggressively into southern Gaza. For the first time on Tuesday, US President Biden signalled that the US is aware that Israel is losing global support as it continues its bombardment of Gaza. He says Israel can continue to count on U.S. backing, but warned that indiscriminate bombing had to stop. The U.S. was one of just 10 nations to vote against a U.N. General Assembly resolution on Tuesday, calling for immediate humanitarian ceasefire. The result of the vote is as follows. 153 in favour, 10 against, 23 abstentions. Draft resolution has been adopted. Of the 153 countries at the UN General Assembly voted for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza, the resolution was non-binding and has had no effect so far. In fact, Israeli Defence Minister Yuav Gallant was in the US on Thursday announcing that it could take several months before Israel fully defeats Hamas. As diplomatic attempts continue to find a long-term peace, the Israeli ambassador to the UK strongly rejected the so-called two-state solution for Israel and Palestine. UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak was 
politely but firmly disagreeing on Thursday. Our long-standing position remains that a two-state solution is the right outcome here and more immediately what that's going on is incredibly concerning. No one wants this conflict to go on for a moment longer than is necessary. Meanwhile, as the fighting continues, the humanitarian situation continues to worsen with people stopping aid trucks and eating the food on the spot, according to the UN aid agency. Spokesman for UNICEF, James Elder, is hopeful that the General Assembly vote may still result in a ceasefire. We saw another 31 countries around the world shift their position. So that says to me that the people around the world are hearing the suffering, are hearing what is a war on children, realising that, that the longer this goes on, no matter what position they're from, we're moving further away from peace. Russian President Vladimir Putin announced his 2024 presidential campaign run on Friday. He's already the longest serving Russian leader since Stalin and will have spent 20 years in the role by the time voters take to the polls next March. He says he has no choice but to run again and speaking in the Kremlin on Sunday, he promised more combat against the West. People are hunted down and killed in the streets there. It's been shown all over the world. They are not just morons, but also neo-Nazis, obviously. They are ready for anything, ready to cooperate with anyone, just to harm Russia. Meanwhile, Ukrainian President Zelensky hit the road this week, starting in Argentina to witness the swearing-in of the country's new president, Javier Mille. The trip is set to be a strategy to muster support for Ukraine amongst Latin American countries, as Zelensky's wife Olena says it's important for the world to keep focused on Ukraine. We cannot get tired of the situation, because otherwise we will die. And if the world gets tired, they will simply let us die. This danger that the aid will slow down constitutes a mortal danger to us. Meanwhile, Ukrainian diplomats were attending the EU Foreign Minister's Summit in Brussels as they looked to accelerate their case for EU membership. The foreign ministers were meeting in advance of a full leader's summit on Thursday to decide on whether to open formal membership talks with the Ukraine. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitry Kulba says Ukraine has moved at speed to fulfil all requirements from the EU. And all key Venice Commission recommendations were implemented into Ukrainian legislation. So we, we can jump, we can dance if uh, that, is, uh, that is requested in addition. But I think that the game should be played fairly. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky was in Washington on Tuesday. He was hoping that a personal appearance would help to speed up the logjam in vital military aid for his country as Russia's war continues. Things didn't go well, though. He met with senators behind closed doors, but they remained unmoved as Republicans insist that any new aid package includes changes at the U.S. border. Zelensky also also visited the White House and met with President Biden and he managed to find another $200 million for Ukraine. But it's increasingly clear that nothing major is likely to happen until at least the new year. Zelensky said the only beneficiary of the current impasse is Russia. Let me be frank with you, France, if there's anyone inspired by unresolved issues on Capitol Hill is just Putin and his sick Thursday saw Russian President Vladimir Putin host his four-hour annual press conference. There was a twist this year as he also took questions from regular Russians, from soldiers on the front line and even from an AI-generated Putin double. He said that he doesn't expect a further mobilization of Russian civilians and that Russia's victory is just a matter of time. The peace will come when we reach our goals. Coming back to the goals 
they remain unchanged. They have been preloading, but you know it will come to an end sooner or later. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky was in Germany in search of military aid, but he did address the EU leaders gathered in Brussels to discuss Ukraine's EU membership application. The application has been blocked by Hungary's Viktor Orban, who said he didn't want to be part of a bad decision and cast doubt on the progress that Ukraine has made on the goals set by the EU. We have set up seven preconditions and three out of the seven is not fulfilled. So there is no reason to negotiate membership of Ukraine now. Orban eventually walked out of the meeting, allowing the other 26 members to proceed and agree to open accession talks with Ukraine. Orban wasn't finished objecting either, as Halliter blocked a 50 billion euro EU aid package for Ukraine. NATO Secretary General Jens Stolenberg was continuing to back Ukraine, pointing out that Russia continues to pose a threat to the whole of Europe. If Putin wins in Ukraine, there's a real risk that his aggression will not end there. Our support is not charity, it is an investment in our security. Still to come on the standout seven, COP28 finally wraps up and tributes to a double Emmy winner. Right after this. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back. After a shaky start, somehow the COP28 Climate Summit managed to get an agreement that calls on all nations to transition away from fossil fuels. It followed a first draft on Tuesday that was universally rejected as too weak. And despite the urging of over 130 countries, the agreement does not specifically call for a phasing out or phasing down of fossil fuels. It's hardly surprising given that the summit took place in Abu Dhabi and the president is also CEO of the Saudi Arabian state oil company. Sultan Aljabar was quick to gavel through the agreement and praised those attending for their efforts. You did step up. You showed flexibility and you put common interest ahead of self-interest. There are complaints that the text contains a litany of loopholes and that it doesn't go far enough to limit emissions as the planet sees the hottest year on record. The Samoan Pacific Climate Warriors activist Brianna Fruan had harsh words on the deal. They have given us flowers that will go on our graves. So how will you ask us to celebrate small wins, small incremental victories when we know those will just lie on the graves because we are not going to meet that 1.5 target. Welsh First Minister Mark Drakeford announced his resignation on Wednesday in a move that surprised many. At 69 years of age, he had planned to step down in 2024, but the timing of the announcement was unexpected and he says that he hopes there'll be a new leader in place by Easter. His popularity has waned since his handling of the COVID pandemic, with the recent move to introduce 20 mile per hour speed limits proving controversial. Both Rishi Sunak and Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer paid tribute to Mr Drakeford, who has pledged to stay on while the Welsh COVID inquiries take place in February and March. Uh, When I stood for the leadership, I said that I would aim to serve for five years. And exactly five years have passed. Now nominations for my successor as Welsh Labour leader will open shortly. 
and I'm confident that the process can be concluded by the end of the spring term. The death was announced early on Wednesday morning of actor Andre Brower at just 61 years of age. He was a two-time Emmy winner, probably best known for his long-running and Emmy-nominated role as Captain Holt in comedy series Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He had a varied career, winning his first Emmy for his role in Homicide Life on the Street, where he met his wife, who also starred in the show. Tributes flooded in from fellow cast members, including Terry Crews and The Wire creator David Simon. Social media was full of clips in tribute to him on Wednesday, celebrating his iconic Captain Holt character. Rest in peace, Andre. And now it's time to send in our cute little secret weapon. I'm ready, Captain. I love the nickname. No, Charles, not you. I was talking about Cheddar. Oh, right, obviously. Over the past month, I've had him trained to retrieve plaques. And now, boy, it's time to make Daddy proud. Yes, sir. I could not have been more clearly talking to the dog. You've been listening to The Smart 7. We'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. Hit that follow button and have a great day. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.